Everybody, welcome back to the Combat Chain. It is a fresh new episode for 2023. I am your host, Patrick. The new year's new me looks a lot like the old me, but newer Shaw. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Adam. The real action happens after turn six. Philip Chuck. Adam, how are we doing today? We're doing great, Pat. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I haven't had a chance. I'm pulling up the show notes right now as we speak. I've just been so busy working on Snap stuff today that uh fab fell in the background a little bit but that's okay uh snap aside we're here to talk about fab and i'm excited about that uh i do have pro quest season on my mind and i'm starting to think about uh i've got a uh, about two weeks out from uh my first pro quest here and i'm i'm thinking about uh putting down snap to do some testing for that you're gonna put down snap that's that's pretty impressive it takes some willpower right now. I, I got it at some point, right? We got to do uh, the, the life still exists. And well, let's be honest, we still want to play flesh and blood competitively. So that's right. That's right. Uh, we do have some news, but before we break the news, uh, let's bring in our special guest this week. Uh, he is known for his passionate Runeblade and Bravo play. He is the leader of the Wolfpack oh, and is the CEO of a little startup you may have heard of named Team Covenant. Zach Bunn, welcome. To the combat chain thank you guys so much for having me i'm very excited to dive in uh, i hear you ask the, the tough questions around these parts so excited to be here and uh, just excited to be talking about fab like always we like to keep our guests on their toes uh before we get into those tough questions uh adam we're gonna break a little news here we have some uh we've have some updates and 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 some some brand launching news here so we have revamped the patreon we've relaunched it uh so now you can go on there are three tiers that you can select uh, select there and we do if you if you like what we're doing here by all means go to the patreon at www.patreon.com backslash the combat chain uh, you have three tiers to choose from. One says you just like what we're doing and uh, you're okay with that. Two gets you a, a shout out uh, on the podcast or any videos that we produce about Flesh and Blood. And three, the the, the third tier gets you into the, it, it gets you exclusive access into the team testing channel, which I have not told most of the team. I have just told Adam. So uh, it might be news to uh, the likes of like Oscar, and uh, but you're gonna have to deal with it because we need to have something of a benefit in, in in the Patreon, and that's a pretty good one if you ask me. We have some of the best flesh and blood players around. We have I think half of the Canadian uh, player base there. A lot of them are in the top. They're in the top something of countries and internationally, and you can uh, hop on and talk shop and and talk theory with with those guys uh, all day long. And uh, if that's not a benefit, I don't know what is. I mean, and just to rattle off a couple names quickly, like Sean Hill, uh, Daniel Dreisiger, who did top eight uh, Nats uh, Canadian Nats year one. Uh, like I said, Oscar Gomez, like yeah, some some great players that uh, you can you can talk shop with. Uh, next up in in news for the combat chain is uh, we've we've expanded our our reach here uh, very very recently in fact likely as of this recording Adam when 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 is when is the thing I'm about to 
announce come out? Uh, I'm going to upload it uh, as soon as we're done recording here. All right. What uh, Adam is uploading is the uh, the podcast After Turn 6. It is a Marvel Snap podcast featuring Adam, myself, and our new co-host, Sean Hill, uh, who's on Team Combat Chain. And we are we are talking Marvel Snap. We love it, and it's it's becoming our second game that the Combat Chain supports. Yeah, it's it it's been a blast to to dive into. Uh we're uh uh Sean is, especially is a, is an incredible Marvel Snap brain. Uh he he reads that game just on another level and uh, to have him on this uh new pod with us. Uh some of the brews he comes up with are real spicy and I'm looking forward to to highlighting them uh on that platform of course. Here you're still going to get your good old flesh and blood. That's right. Yeah, we're not dropping Flesh and Blood. Flesh and Blood is primary for us, and uh, so, but no, Marvel Snap is now accessed into the into the Discord. It has its own section. It has its own role, uh, and now it has its own content. And so we're excited. We're excited for that to to kick off. All right, let's talk to our guest Zach. Zach, I usually ask people to give us a little synopsis on how they came to Flesh and Blood, but you uh, you recently dropped a pretty epic Twitter thread that really fills in. Uh, a lot of those gaps. So let's start with a really juicy question here. Are you prepared for the inevitable chair shot from behind by Michael Hamilton as he assumes leadership of the Wolfpack in the heel turn of the century? Uh, man, after the past couple of years, I feel like I'm always ready for a chair shot. You just never know what's going to happen between pandemics and betrayals and teams breaking up. You know, uh, Michael, Michael's one of the best people I know. So uh, I... When the Wolfpack was was starting, I guess uh, it was me, Ian, and my brother Tim, um, and then the the uh, I guess technically it also included uh, the now trader Dante Del Frisco. But um, when it was forming, uh, you know, I, I there was a need for a group of people to test with, and I wasn't necessarily looking to to run anything. So if Michael wants to take over, he's he's more than welcome. Uh, that is. It, it's a great group of people uh, that play fab together. And I don't even really, you know, you said leader of the Wolfpack. Um, and I understand, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very much a, a pack, right? It's a group effort. Um, so, uh, you know, he's, he's as in charge as the next guy, honestly. <laughs> and he's pretty good at fab. Every good stable has got to have a face for that stable. And about once every couple of years, they have to go down and do business. It's uh, it's just how it goes. It's the evolution, and someone else uh, someone else takes over. Kenny Omega, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, they've all they've all taken the shots uh, shots to the back here. Um, about your Twitter thread, uh, there were a lot of points. We're gonna we're gonna come back to to Wolfpack uh, stuff uh, cool. later in the pod. But in your Twitter thread, there were a lot of points that hit home for a, a lot of people. But the concept of of OKR seem to have perked a lot of ears up uh, there. So this is a bit outside of our depth here, but can you help us out on this concept of OKR and how it's laid out in your company and without spilling any of you know beans that you don't want to, how, how are you, how are you implementing uh, this in, in team covenant here? Yeah. So a few things, there's not, not many beans to, to spill, uh, so to speak. I'm a pretty open book. Uh, if you have questions, I'm, I'm happy to answer them. But uh, it comes from a book that I read called Measure What Matters. And effectively, if you read the thread, um, Covenant definitely started. I was very young. I was 18 uh, when, when Covenant got started, and that was far too long ago now. Uh, but 
very much a group of uh, lifelong friends who got together to do something. I mean, I, I technically took the first couple of steps, but very quickly, Tim and Steven got involved, which I grew up with Steven. Tim's my little brother. Steven's brother, Jonathan, was a video guy working at a news station. He got involved, you know, early YouTube days, all that, that kind of business. Uh, but at some point, you kind of are around long enough and you grow a little bit. And the transition into, I think, uh, a more professional organization or, or company and how that's going to work. Um, so I, I've read a ton of books uh, and that one just hit and that was in the thread. In that book, there's a thing called OKRs, which is Objectives and Key Results. And I think at a certain point in our history, and you know, there's a lot of context in that thread technically, but at a certain point uh, early on, I think even with you guys, we were talking before the show about you know what's what's the goal of the podcast? Why are you doing it? Why are you here? What's what's is it just two guys that enjoy talking about Fab, or is there you know and now Snap? Uh, is there more to it? So early early on in Covenant's history, the what we were doing and why we were doing it was very clear, um, and what we were capable of doing was was restricted by our skills and our resources and our time, right? And so we knew pretty early on. Uh, that we wanted to open a local store in Tulsa. Like that was that was a huge part of what we were doing at, at the very beginning. Uh, effectively, in 2006, I had a string of uh, occurrences or uh, happenings at local retailers and online retailers. And 2006 is like earlier internet days, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Not really. I mean, you know, internet's been around for a while, but like actually like buying stuff online, having it shipped, especially for tabletop games, like 2006 is pretty early. Yeah, yeah. But just had some really uh, bad experiences, and that was kind of after a lifetime of playing games that most stores don't care about. So, you know, in the 90s and 2000s, if it wasn't Magic, even Pokemon at the time, you were kind of, like, looked down upon. Uh, that was the first game I started playing when it first came out, and I was a little kid. I got kicked off so many tables uh, where they just had a Magic tournament that was about to happen, or, you know, the adults showed up, and it's like, oh, like, get out of here. Um so there was just this uh, frustration that the, you know, effectively the status quo was if it wasn't magic, nobody cared. And uh, did, just didn't feel like anyone cared about this thing that we really cared about. And so mm -hmm. that led to content and an online store and blogging. And that's early days of blogs as well. But opened the store in 2012 and then opened 2.0, the second version of that store in 2015, moved from the first one. Uh, but at a certain point, you've got a team of people, and you've got resources, and you've got choices, right? Um, it's not just like, hey, when we were opening the store, we had so little money, we had to make every penny really stretch, and then the store opens, and you're figuring out problems and making it better all the time. And so your problems are actually coming at you faster than, like, you can do anything. You know, you're not actively deciding. You're almost reacting to your situation. Uh, mm -hmm. But at a certain point, that kind of switched, which is... Um, you know, it, it's not that we <laughs> at any point were like so successful. It's like, oh, what are we going to do with these piles of money? But all of a sudden there aren't any like active problems that you're just having to react to. And so now you have to decide what are we going to do? Um, and that's where a lot of the, that's, that's when that book hit for me, which is, uh, where the objectives and key results come from. So long winded answer to get to your, your question uh, a long-winded way of getting to the answer to your question. Um, it's objectives and key results. And the basic idea as an objective is 
some kind of macro goal that you want to achieve that's maybe not measurable. Um, so as in, you know, a, maybe a specific example, I think about the Wolfpack. And maybe the Wolfpack's goal or their objective in 2023 is to dominate fab organized play, right? Like that's the goal. Um, and the key results are how do we actually measure that that happened, right? What, what does that look like? Um, and that might be, you know, we want to have uh, three plus top eights at like pro level events, right? Or we want to earn 10 PTIs as a team. Or, you know, maybe the dream is two Wolfpack members are in the top eight of a major pro level event playing each other. Like maybe that's, that's the goal, right? That's what it means for us to be dominant. Or maybe it's like some number of appearances in top eights. But then, you know, the system kind of cascades down. Uh, mm -hmm. So as an individual, how do I contribute to that, right? Um, and so maybe my goal, which, you know, I, I, you may be asking me this question later, maybe my goal happens to be uh, that I want to top eight a like PTI slash cold gold situation, right? Calling pro tour, national mm -hmm. world championship. Um, and that is actually somewhat measurable because it either happens or it doesn't. Um, but you can basically break that down into smaller key results, right? It may be practice 10 plus hours a week. Uh, it may be watch two hours of game film every week and, oh. and break it down, or it may be win a pro quest or win five pro quests or whatever it is. So it's just a system for this kind of top down setting objectives having measurable results that say you kind of achieve this objective or part of this objective. And then as a company, it kind of cascades down uh, into departments and down into individuals and how all that works. But that said, uh, you know, our, our I, I kind of mentioned this in, in that part of the Twitter thread where uh, I, I recommend, we've been doing, you know, Covenant for over a decade. Um, and there's always way more to learn. It's crazy. Like we've, we've been doing this literally. I posted that thread cause we'd just turned 16 as a company. Uh, and I feel like I have so much to learn still, still. Um, and the OKRs is a really good example of, I read a book and the concepts make, make a, made a lot of sense. And it, it kind of felt like a really good answer to stuff we were kind of working through at the time and struggling through where there's a macro idea of what we're doing as a company and why we exist. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of specific direction that could pipe all the way down to everyone at the company. And so it, it was logical. It, it made sense. You, you read that, you know, Google uses it and other companies use this system. Surely it's great. So we, we attempted it and the first try didn't really go so well. Um, it was just like the objectives weren't great and they weren't really that measurable and they weren't meaningful. And we were focused on stats that we really didn't care about. Like, Actually, we started measuring stuff, but we didn't really care that much. So we tried it again and it got better. And it was really the first time we had a very specific and measurable goal that we attacked and then it went really well. And we, we did that thing. Um, and so we st started learning uh, as an organization, right? Or I started learning as a CEO of the organization um, how to set a goal or an objective um, and empower your team to go accomplish that goal, right? And what does that look like? And how does it actually work? Um, what, one of the downsides though, and this is what I was saying in that thread, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's not one size fits all. Because as we started implementing and learning and we had, we still had to adjust and refine and figure out what we liked and didn't like. And that, that system I think is built for larger organizations. Um, you know, we, we have been doing this 16 years, but we only have nine people on staff. so we're 
in the grand scheme of things, a really tiny company. You know, if you're just mm. starting out and you're a one man show owner or one person show with a store, yeah, nine people might seem like a, a huge staff or a huge team. Um, but, you know, I think you're considered a small business until you get past 500 employees. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So we're, we're just tiny. It's this tiny thing. So one thing about that system, right, was it's kind of built for annual and quarterly objectives. And like, there's this framework, which I understand conceptually. Um, but when you're just so tiny, like you get caught up sometimes, or at least we have in the process of it. And the there's there's a balance between you don't want to be changing your objectives too quickly or in general or your goals right if if every week you had a different goal as a podcast that would get that would probably not turn out very well um but uh also being part of the upside of being small is that you're nimble right you you can change quickly you can make decisions uh, an opportunity can show up and you can just immediately go whereas a 3 or 400 person organization can't just turn on a dime right um so anyways i i I don't necessarily just wholesale recommend okrs um but it it was an interesting book that led us down an interesting road um and i learned a lot from the attempt at implementing it and then you know took away the pieces that we liked and kept the others in in the back of back of mind in case we get to a point where we have enough people where it might make sense to do some of the stuff they were they were saying it makes a it makes a lot of sense. You're seeing a lot of things that like are now ringing in in you know, in my ears because it's uh, so I I work uh, I don't I don't think I've I've said this like out loud on air but hey you know it's my Here show. We are. I can say what I want uh, but uh, so I work in engineering consulting right and uh, very recently uh, I was put in a position where there is kind of a there is there is a, a macro right aspect of what we're doing, but the goals are not very measurable. You know, it, you know. So it's like, how do we, uh, how do we take my my team, right? How do I take my team and and quantify, right? What you know, in some some respect, what what we do? How do we how do we express our service and product as a as a deliverable to a client and. Uh, and I'm still that's like it's as a as a manager of that team, I'm I'm struggling how to you know what do I say when, when someone asks, right? You know, what is it you do and how do you how do you know that it works? Right. And it's it's like, well, you know, you're you're here, you know, <laughs> you're here and you're you're walking and you're talking and you look and you seem to like us, so you know, you you're Maybe that's, but it's not enough, right? So working on getting that kind of, you know, verbalizing what that framework is and, and getting those those targetable goals over, you know, quarterly, annually, et cetera, is, is actually, like, I'm taking mental notes right now. I'm going to go to my boss and sound really smart tomorrow <laughs> uh, when, I bring, when I bring it in. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. so, uh, so Team Covenant has been... Um, has been really successful in this in this uh, in this space. You're synonymous with flesh and blood. Yeah, there are so many entities and people over uh, from all over gaming spaces that have converged onto flesh and blood. It can be a little difficult sometimes when you're so entrenched into a game to realize that you're still a small part of a much bigger industry. Our first community question comes from Clark Jansen, who asks, "How much of your business is is fab related these days? It seems like it's a big focus." But he knows that you stream and sell many other games. 
Yeah. Um, so fab is, uh, there's two layers to this, right? Uh, there's what percentage of business and then also just, uh, you know, I, I think from a content perspective, um, Steven and I are the, the two people on the content and, uh, fab is just right in the pocket of the kind of game that the both of us would love a lot. Um, and so when we can mix something we love, uh, and something we love to play, uh, play that on the content and it makes sense at all. And from a economic standpoint, uh, that's awesome, right? Like that's, that's the dream. Um, so it, it, for the past two or three years, it's been a weekly staple on the stream schedule. Um, but you know, we have been streaming four or five days a week. So from a content perspective, it's, you know, 20, 25% of our content currently, um, and our, our content strategy is about to change pretty uh, dramatically heading into this mm -hmm. year. But, uh, from a business perspective, you know, I think if you only knew us because of fab and you only, you know, if you look at, at, it depends on where you came from, right. And how you got here. Mm -hmm. But if you introduced to covenant from fab and you came from the TCG world, and when I say TCG world, I'm primarily mean the big three, right? Magic, Pokemon, and Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh -huh. um, it's quite possible that you just had no idea who we were until Fab. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that's that's a lot of people. Um, but you know, it, when people find out, like with that thread, this we've been around for 16 years, they just have no idea. That's crazy to them. It's like, right, how right. is that even possible? Um, so, like I said earlier, I, you know, I, I and my friends grew up playing games that were basically not Magic. And it was everything. It started with Pokemon. It quickly pivoted to like all the Decipher games, Lord of the Rings TCG, Star Wars CCG, um, games like The Spoils, uh, which was a, an attempt at you know doing magic better. I had no idea at the time. It was just like, ah, here's a not magic game that is interesting and new. Um, all the LCGs, all the FFG stuff. Um, and so prior to uh, July-ish of 2020, uh, our business had, uh, you know, similar number of employees uh going you know at that point and we didn't sell fab at all um so fab is definitely an important uh piece of our business and i, I think it's uh been very successful for us but you know at the same time if it disappeared tomorrow we wouldn't be going anywhere um so mm -hmm. knock on wood it's not going to disappear tomorrow hope it's not going to disappear tomorrow uh so yeah I, it's it is significant important but not like uh you know it's, it's not not a one trick uh, pony here, I guess, is is the point. Um, I, I think the future of Fab is is pretty bright, uh, and and we're believers, and we love the game. So, um, so yeah, it, it's significant, but not. I think I think it would surprise people uh, to to know the actual uh, percentages and stuff, which I won't go into. But yeah, but yeah, it's 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 definitely it's important, but it's not uh, make or break, honestly. Speaking of make and make or break here, uh, LSS has been, you know, it, it, on kind of a, a bit of a roller coaster here, uh, but they've they've uh, they've seemed to have partnered with uh, several large entities in the space. You guys are one of them, right? Uh, Team Covenant has always been considered one of the big names of Fab sealed product and sweet promos on release. Uh, there, there was a massive public outcry when the print numbers from Monarch were, were released. So much so that LSS changed their entire model of how they release their products moving forward. 
even Team Covenant uh, seemed to be swept up in that mess when you released uh, released a backlog of your own product from canceled orders uh, and etc. From there, what was your perspective on the evolution of the Monarch release and how other entities may have been handling the release of Monarch and other sealed product from LSS? And how that may have affected your own business practices in the process when it came to handling flesh and blood. Yeah. Um, so I want to rewind the clock back a little bit uh, to 2020. So I, I first became aware of Fab through a fan of the show, Ian, who used to work at Legend Story. So he apparently uh, was aware of us through our content and a fan of ours for several years. And uh, they sent us kind of a care package before the pandemic even happened. Um, and it had a couple of booster boxes and some starters and some promos and some play mats. Um, and then actually what it had was that lore book, which I still have. It's over here on my shelf. Oh, that's um, so cool. It's a good yeah. one. Uh, so, you know, we, we get sent um, games all the time, like mm -hmm. just constantly. If it, if it's sometimes a, not as many board games, but it, a lot of board games, a lot of any expandable game um cuz that's really our primary, you know, uh products and audience has been built around expandable games that aren't magic pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm -hmm. Um and that's why I said the LCGs and all those kind of games. Um so we get sent stuff all the time and it, it had a really nice handwritten note on a nice, you know, postcard and stuff. Uh, but the thing that got me to to really take a, a look at Fab was the lore book. Um, open it up. It's like a hardback lore book. It looks beautiful. You start going through it. There's concept art. There's lore. There's a world. It's clear that this this is cared about, right? And when you go back to the earlier parts of my story where I'm talking about uh, the feeling that people didn't care about the thing that we cared about, um, the games that we cared about, they didn't treat us, you know, they, they didn't care whether or not we were experiencing tabletop or having community or having a space to play if it wasn't a transaction for them, honestly. It makes sense. They're a retailer. They, used to, I was like really upset by that fact that they didn't really care about me. Um, now I'm, I've, I appreciate a little, the economics of it more. It's like, yeah, of course you want people to have a table that are the ones buying the magic boxes from you that are adults with jobs. Like, totally get it. Um, but you could just feel the care from that lore book, for me, at least. Again, we get sent stuff all the time. A lot of times there's nice notes, but almost never is there a hardback lore book um, included with it. So I took the lore book home. I was flipping through it. I loved all the Aria art. Like, just everything in that lore book about Aria was just fascinating to me. So we tried the game, really dug it. We streamed it. We we weren't even selling it. We did, hadn't even talked to Legend Story. It's just like we were just doing Monday streams at that time. Um, and it was like, hey, let's just learn this game on stream. So we did. Um, after the stream's over, Steve and I kind of look at each other and it's like, hey, you want to play again? Um, of course, fell in love with the game. Absolutely adore Fab. But the reason I tell that story is when we first started selling Fab, uh, we launched our subscription. We started doing actual content beyond that first stream in July of 2020. Middle of the pandemic. Uh, this is before Crucible War was coming out. We had a subscription uh, where you can sign up to get boxes automatically with an exclusive promo. Uh, we revealed our exclusive promo was this Scar for a Scar card. Seems pretty good. Um, and had our subscriptions. People signed up. We have a lot of people in our audience who played other games that a lot of the Asmodee games. So Asmodee owns FFG. 
lot of those games weren't releasing products. They they went on pause because uh, pandemic and retailers weren't open. Um, and so they were kind of stuck at home watching the streams and looking for a game to play or a game to buy or something to you know take part in in some way. Um, but back then, you know, we could we were selling <laughs> crazy. We were selling Arcane Rising. We had a bundle. Box of Arcane Rising, box of Welcome to Wraith First Edition with two random cold foil weapons out of the the like original first eight weapons, right? Like Nebula Blade and Anothos and Dawn Blade and the Kadachis. Um, and if you bought four bundles, you would get a case of each, basically, and you would get one of each of the weapons. We'd make sure that it, you, know, you wouldn't get doubled up, you know, that kind of thing. And we were selling this at MAP. So this is like 70, at the time, like $76 a box uh, for first edition boxes. And we'd put them in stock. We'd stream. We'd sell out of all our boxes. We'd get more from the distributor over and over again, right? But there was uh, no expectation on our end that, that, that we'd ever just run out of product, right, to buy. Um, and I remember the week and a half before Crucible came out. So subscriptions typically, uh, like we say on the website, they charge one to four weeks before release. Um, and that, that timeline is usually based on when we're having to make certain commitments or scheduling staff or when product is going to be shipping, all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a little variable. Um, but usually it's two, three weeks. Um, so we charged for Crucible. Everything seems normal. Subscriptions are processing. This is all going to be cool. Uh, about that time, we went to reorder more. And it was like, hey, the distributors were telling us, hey, we're out. No more product. It's like, all right, cool. Um, but we had those weapon promos. Um, we had partnered with Legend Story officially. We were going to do content. We we're going to offer this bundle. We had the uh, Ira decks for free that you anyone could go on the website order i think it was up to four all you had to do was pay shipping and we'd send you the the starter decks um and we were doing that bundle as a way to like give people a really really easy buy a bundle you'll get a you know play some seal to have a good time game's great we're playing it on stream um but then we couldn't order anymore and so uh not long after legend story would announce that hey first two sets are out of print we're not going to make them anymore um and then, you know, we, we bought uh, traditionally the way we work, right? And we don't, we grew up playing TCGs, but the last, like in terms of covenants, support of the game and subscriptions and content and stuff, um, from 2009 until 2017, we didn't support any collectible games. Um, it was all non-collectible, expandable games. And then in 2000, late 2016, 2017 is when we started uh, supporting Destiny, Star Wars Destiny collectible game. And that was our first collectible game in a while, and that was our only collectible game until Fab. And so our whole subscription model, the whole business, the way it functions, all our standard practices and, and whatnot is not really based on collectible, and it's particularly not based on like what was happening to Fab or what was about to happen to Fab. Uh, so our, our usual process, right, is we'll order a certain amount of product to cover our subscriptions, plus the inventory we want to have in stock, um, plus extras for lost shipments, damages, that kind of that kind of business. Um, but so that meant we had a some amount of Crucible <laughs> when it actually came out, right, to put in stock. And so, I mean, I'm telling you, a month before, if if you went to go sign up we, at the time, it's like you could have you could have signed up for a lot of Crucible boxes, like just an uncomfortable amount of crucible boxes because you know we'd never experienced what was about to happen in that august of 2020 so 
Anyways, what happens at that point? Um, we're all, we're gonna get to Monarch. I know I'm really long winded. So no, no, but this is perfect. Uh, so yeah. subscriptions ship. All our subscribers get their their boxes with their promos. Um, and then we put the rest of our uh, Cruise One stock on that. I think it was that Friday of release day. Um, and by Monday we were out. They were just gone, which is nuts. I mean, we, it was just crazy. Um, so then we, uh, you know, reorder some more, uh, they're on the way, um, get it in, put it in, sold, gone. Right. And th that week, everything's gone everywhere, just crucibles obliterated. And then the second, once that is gone, gone, um, the secondary market prices of welcome to Wraith, Arkane rising and crucible start going crazy. So from August of 2020 until I think it was like December, we technically had subscriptions in stock. So you could sign up for a subscription. If you go on, sign up for technically any any number that our system would allow you to sign up for, um, which we'll come to that in a second. But uh, at some point in December, you know, we we have uh, expected uh, caps on how much we actually are going to be able to order anytime a new product is coming out. Um, and there was no world ever when those those. Uh, conversations were happening about what those caps would look like. Did we ever expect that it would ever be an actual concern or an actual thing that was, you know, that we'd even have to care about. Um, so there were several months where people could sign up. We were sold out. And, uh, you know, that was December-ish. And then Monarch ended up coming out in May. Um, and by the time Monarch came out, box, boxes were pre-selling online for like $500 a box or something like that. Mm. Um, and, February, March, we've been sold out for a couple of months. We had a wait list a feature on the website where you can sign up to be emailed if it goes back in stock. And we could see that number just growing and growing, right? I mean, it was it was crazy, uh, just crazy. Um, but we, uh, at some point in there, um, we moved the price of our subscription up to MSRP, um, which was like $95 or something. Uh, but we were we were committed not to going over MSRP. Um, no matter how crazy it got, uh, just didn't feel that it's not really in the spirit of who we are, why we're here. Um, I had a lot of people sign up for two boxes or a case for four. Um, and we didn't want, uh, you know, to make people, <laughs> we're, we're players of games, right? Um, I am a somewhat of a collector. I like to collect things, but, but pr step one is players is who we're wanting to give access to this product. So, uh, you know, moral reasons or just. I don't know, it just felt wrong to to do anything other than MSRP. So we stuck in MSRP. Um, one of the things I kept kind of hinting around earlier that our system, um, we had to build in, which we we were working to build into. And uh, it was a tough, tough call on to do it or not to do it and when to do it. But previously, there was no cap. So there was a cap on how many total subscriptions for a game could happen because that's that's got to happen. Um, but you know, someone could go in and sign up for 500 boxes straight up. Uh, and when we were at MSRP and the market was at $500, that's kind of a problem. Um, because if someone gets in there for 500 boxes, um, one, it's a problem because clearly I think someone buying 500 boxes at a hundred dollars when they're selling for 500, probably not a player who's buying all those products to just, you know, use. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also the next problem we'd run into 
um, which is uh, again, all this context is helpful to, to touch on some yeah, of the stuff. Yeah, you, you know, mentioned. by all means, I am I'm literally at the edge of my seat. So this yeah, is this is, this is, good this is interesting. Yeah. So the one problem without a cap is that the way our system is designed, right? Again, it was never the the idea for subscriptions came from serving uh, living card games, which have once a month releases that are fifteen dollars each. That no no player in their right mind ever needs more than like one copy of two if you want to have a couple decks built at the same time but like behavior is not more than two or three maybe you're a group ordering right i, I don't know like mm-hmm. 500 is not on the table right like that, that is good, no man. one in the history of our at that point uh you know subscriptions have been running for 10 years and that, we had never encountered this uh this particular uh, situation uh, and so the reason I say this particular situation is, um, so we charge subscriptions two to four weeks before release, right? One to four weeks technically, but usually two to four. Um, and when someone's card fails, they get a notice that says, you have 72 hours to fix this. And if they don't, their subscription gets automatically canceled and they're, they basically an order doesn't get created for that product. So you can imagine in the frenzy of the fab late 2020 market there are people signing up for a decent number of boxes right uh, you know even if you oh. signed up for 50 boxes that's five thousand dollars so if their card fails or maybe their credit card limit doesn't allow it or it's fraudulent on their account flag who knows right i mean random co- covenant in tulsa uh charging your account for thousands of dollars might seem suspicious it's never happened before. Why is this transaction here? Um, but what happens is any failed payment that doesn't get fixed um, is, you know, the subscription gets canceled and all of a sudden we don't have an order for those boxes, right? Uh-huh. Also, I mentioned the wait list earlier. So at this point, our wait list is gargantuan. Like everyone in FAB would love to have a subscription in April of 2021. Like uh-huh. crazy. Um, so two things are a problem. The way subscriptions work is like we charge, right? And it charges all subscribers, does its thing. Um, it's not like we can charge. And then if we have spots left after people fail, we can let more people in and then charge them. And that's not how the system works for us to let more people in. We have to literally put this item back in stock. Everyone on the wait list has to get emailed that it's back in stock. Everyone in the wait list, the wait list would disappear like it, it just clears after everyone gets emailed. So, you know, if you put 50 boxes back in or 50 subscriptions in and there's way more than, let's say there's 10,000 people on a list, hypothetically, that want this product. Um, 10,000 people get an email, 50 boxes gets, you know, signed up for, and then everyone else shows up to the website and is angry that it's out of stock. Um, so the predicament it puts us in is we normally, you know, our cap on how many subscriptions we would even allow uh, is based on the, you know, how much product we know we can't get more than, but there's a a buffer put in because product gets damaged, product gets lost. We also want to have a certain amount of inventory and stock on release. And so, you know, we didn't necessarily have subscriptions equal to the absolute max that we could be at. So there's, there's a buffer room. And then any failed payment, uh, is essentially just more buffer room, which is, is not necessarily a problem, but when the numbers get big, um, it doesn't take very much for all of a sudden uh, a lot of product to exist that we don't really have a, anything to do with 
um, except for, you know, buy. And then at the time, again, it, it's this uncomfortable situation where we don't really want to charge more than MSRP. Um, and you have products. And so honestly, we, we had a, a good amount of products of Monarch that uh, didn't quite know what to do with. It was just an awkward scenario um, and didn't want to sell it at a massive amount, but also there was just a lot of, it was a weird situation across the board and there was a lot of um, uh, hype. And then as prices going down, you know, like it was down to 350 within a month or two and you have this product and it's like, well, if we put, and again, we have no idea what the macro conditions are. How many boxes are out there? How many people are buying? How, how, how much is the product we have left sitting here relevant? Uh, like, is it a drop in the bucket or is this like, could be we put those in stock at MSRP and they don't sell out. And then all of a sudden the emperor doesn't have any clothes. Um, people realize that this Monarch's box is not actually a 350 or $400 product. Um, it's if, if uh, who knows, I, I don't know. It could also disappear overnight. And then all of a sudden, you know, a bunch of speculators just bought a product for a hundred dollars that they get to sell for $350 on eBay immediately. Um, and for some reason, you know, we're, so it's, it's just a, a situation. So our, our original plan was we'll open product up for singles. Uh, that's like the most economical way to get this product to players. Um, because collectors can buy the high end fancy cold foils and stuff, but all the rares and all the, the majestics that are uh, available are just going to be, I mean, you know, collectors are going to collect, but at the same time, our lens was how can we use this product to serve players? Um, so we started selling singles, but again, singles is not necessarily uh, our strong suit. It's not what we're built to do as a company. Uh, we don't have a long history with TCGs, but uh, just kind of testing the waters and being patient. Um, we'd moved enough fab that it, it was okay to have fab sitting there, you know? Um, and so just kind of seeing what was going on at some point, we, we sold them. It was after I won that battle hardened in Orlando. Um, Steven, who's the uh, marketing director was like, Hey, let's do a bundle, uh, to, to move these things, uh, just kind of in, in celebration of, of your victory. Cause at that point they were still, I think 250, $300 a box. Um, and I don't remember what we were selling them at, but we, we kind of, um, split the goalposts, which is they weren't MSRP, but they also weren't what they had been going for on the market. Um, and it was kind of far enough from the insanity of what was happening in 2021, uh, that we, we didn't have the same concerns about like, where our actions going to like, I don't know. It's weird when, when you don't want to negatively impact the f success of fab or what's going on. Um, and it was just kind of a precarious uh, situation uh, to go into. So all that said, a lot, a lot had to change. We implemented a cap um, so that any failed, any one failed payment would create less of this problem for us, especially in this sold out world. Because um, we did eventually, like after all the failed payments, we had a number of spots open. And then we introduced a cap of 24 boxes. And we, anyone that had more than 24 boxes, we limited down to 24. Um, and that created some space in the subscriptions uh, service for people to sign up. So we put those in stock. And that was also insane um, because that whole wait list got emailed, right? Um, and it crashed our site and people had it in their cart and they couldn't check out and people were frustrated and people got the email. And like when they got there, it was sold out and they were mad that they were sold out by the time they got there. And, you know, it's it, fun stuff because I, I get it. it. It is very frustrating. That's, ideally, that situation does never happen, right? But you know, from our seat, it was like, well, 
we could build a custom tool for this, right? We could invest in, at the time we didn't have a lead developer, right? We contract out all our programming. Um, but the, uh, could spend thousands or tens of thousands of dollars to build a tool that in the event that we have a gargantuan wait list for a product, instead of just emailing everybody, it's like emails a hundred people and says, Hey, you have six hours to do this. And it just keeps going down the list and, you know, we come up with a solution. Uh, but realistically in the 16 years we've existed, we've had that problem one time. Um, and uh, given the current state of fab, right? Subscriptions are in stock. Uh, people can sign up whenever they want. Things aren't like they were in 2021. Uh, so anyways, that, I, I don't know if I answered your question or not. We kind of went on a journey. Uh, That's all right. But it's just, so the, uh, when, uh, I get, so the, I think that brings us to a point where the, the actual, the actual numbers come out, right? And then there's kind of a, yeah. a visceral reaction there. What was yours? So I don't remember the, the see, I, Monarch numbers came much later, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. I guess, relatively recently in terms of, yeah. uh, in terms of the game. But it was, it was, I would say, I think in the summer of, of 2022-ish. Yeah. Um, so, but, yeah, for some, from context, right, we had other numbers. Um and I think if you're a collector or an investor, um, uh, I say investor in air quotes, oh. in FAB, those numbers, uh, you know, I think it was not crazy higher than they expected, but not ideal for them either. So looking back at the print run numbers, though, that we knew at the time, I think it was uh, Welcome to Wraith and Arcane Rising were like 16 or 18,000 boxes. And then uh, Crucible was like 36,000 boxes. And then, and that's, you know, they doubled and it sold out like week and week of release. It sells out at 36,000. Um, and then things went absolutely ballistic, right? You have $500 Monarch boxes on pre-order. So the idea that they, you know, essentially tripled the print run from 36,000 is a little more than triple, right? It's like three and a half times or something. Uh, based on the information I had, I don't think that print runs crazy. Um, but I think it's part of the problem we see in the industry with TCGs. And again, we spent a long time not caring about TCGs or the problems that TCGs had. Um, and I think if, if uh, you, we have a podcast called The Covenant Cast, and it's me and Steven, and we talk from our perspective as players and retailers and people that have been in the industry for 16 years. But a lot of our opinions uh, are formed from non-TCG experience, right? Um, and so... One of the problems with the industry, especially as it relates to TCGs that aren't massively at scale, right? Magic and Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh! And they don't have years of history and all this kind of stuff. Is, you know, as a retailer, uh, let's say there's two distributors, right? And Fab is going nuts. It's, it's March of 2021. Uh, well, the system is that I put a number into a system at distribution. And that number can be usually any number I want. I can put a million in that that box. Um, and distributors aren't aren't usually committing to pro buying product until pretty late in this process. And as a retailer, I'm I'm usually not like if I'm just buying it through distribution like normal. Um, let's say a product that's not hot and sold out and crazy, right? Um, a lot of times, if it's coming out, uh, I'm committing to that product a week and a half, two weeks before it comes out. And so. When you print a TCG, you're four plus months before it's coming out is when you're printing it. Cool. So if Monarch's coming out in May, they're they're having to decide how much to print in January. 
And there was, it's, it's hard. If you weren't there, uh, either it's hard to remember and, or if you weren't there, it's easy not to know that there was a lot of frustration in the community at that point, because there wasn't enough product. Like there was genuine people saying, how in the world have you not printed more? How do we not already have more? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're hitting print in January, um, and at that point, if as a retailer, you know, people can put in numbers early and retailers might solicit or distributors might solicit early to kind of gauge how a product's going. But everyone knows in December of 2020 that collectible games are crazy and fab is on fire, right? Like that's, it's a common thing. But as a retailer, you know, I might tell distributor A, hey, I want a thousand boxes. I might tell distributor B, hey, I want a thousand boxes. I may not even have, as most retailers, I may not even have the cash to buy a thousand boxes, right? From either of them. But I know what's going to happen is called allocation, right? Which is if there's not enough product, this, if there's not enough of this printed, the distributor is going to say, hey, you ordered a thousand, but we don't have enough to give everyone what they ordered. So we're going to give everyone 20% of what they ordered. Um, and so, you know, I get 200 boxes from distributor A and 200 boxes from distributor B. And retailers play these games all the time. They have to. The system is not built to actually accurately gauge demand uh, and get that information all the way up to publishing, right? It just doesn't do it for products that are this crazy. For a board game that you print 20,000 copies of and you, you know, five or 10,000 copies will sell in the first week and you have it in stock for the, a year or two, it's not really a problem, right? Um, and for Magic that that knows how much they're printing and knows how to print and ideally not have, you know, a glut of product two weeks after release, right? Like they have, they're at such a scale and such a consistency of, of product that it's just a, a very different game. Uh, but we saw this happen all the time with FFG games, Destiny, Keyforge. I mean, it's, it, they're LCGs. It was always, they have no idea how much to print. One of the worst things you can do as a publisher is overprint, like by a lot. Cause then it, like with a collectible game, if there's too much fab sitting at the warehouse and distribution, uh, retailers can see it. They have it on their shelf. It's not moving. So then they start discounting it and all of a sudden it's a race to the bottom. Right. Um, and so anyways, you have as, you know, I don't, I don't know what all sources legend stories getting their information from, but if, you know, if they talk to me, I'm saying, Hey, this is, we sold out. Like, can I get more? Can can we go past this, this max number? Right. Uh, same thing. I'm sure with Rudy, same thing. I'm sure with channel fireball, same thing. I'm sure with distribution saying, Hey, I've got, I've got so many retailers who want to buy this product. Now, can you, we get more product? Um, so it's very tough as a publisher to get that number right. And it, it being three, four times what the Crucible number was at that moment seems exceptionally reasonable. Uh-huh. Like, it, remember, there were people buying boxes at $500 a box in May of 2020 or 2021. Um, so I, I wasn't surprised by that number at all. Um, and I, I don't envy the position of the publisher in that spot. Um, and you know, they, they were so, uh, the signals they were getting were so strong. They also printed Monarch unlimited. Right. Um, yeah. and who knows how much of that they printed and it's really, t- there's a lag. They wouldn't have even like started noticing that maybe there's too much product until Monarch unlimited hits and Aria's hitting and things are on the shelf. And, you know, it was, it was, li- I mean, I think late Aria, a couple months after Aria was the first time that Emma or the online price of boxes I could see was less than MSRP. Um, so if, if market price is greater than MSRP, that's a signal that demand is greater than supply. Now 
there's a lot of activity that can make demand seem like it's greater than supply. Uh, like, you know, uh, speculators holding a lot of boxes, uh, distributors hiding boxes away or, and that's what people roped us into the like, oh, they had all these boxes. And like, the irony to me is if, if we were really trying to make out like bandits in this situation, we never would have been charging MSRP for subscriptions for the vast majority of the supply that we had access to. Right. Right. Uh, Cause we could have easily charged $200, $300 a box. Um, and so, you know, it, either we really are bad at timing the market, uh, or that just wasn't our intent, right? Like we, we weren't just sitting on boxes hoping someday these are worth $10 million. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, print run numbers, I, I wasn't shocked, honestly. Um, it mm-hmm. seemed reasonable. I was expecting 75,000 to 125,000, uh, for that number. Awesome. Excellent. That was, that was, that was great. It's everything I wanted I that, that. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, that was that was, that was good. Yeah, I, I mean, you. It, the thing about it is, you ask a question, and like, in my mind, there's so much context, and oh, yeah. I, I didn't mm-hmm. even I didn't even cover all of it, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. what happened from twenty August of twenty twenty until now for Fab? Um, it's just a, it was crazy. The ups and downs and swings and turns and lefts and rights and like all the speculation and I don't know. It it is just a wild uh, a wild ride. That is that actually fills so many like gaps I had of, like like for myself as well. That's 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 really good stuff. All right, we are going to pivot to some flesh and blood stuff because I promised I wouldn't keep you here the entire night. And it's very easy, as you may see, to go down these rabbit holes and and just keep you keep you talking. So, uh, <laughs> a, a nice easy low hanging fruit, Elo. What what is up with with Elo? It seems like it's a it is a I in I did I added this late to the show notes so this might be a surprise, uh, but uh, there is a constant conversation because LSS has not updated uh, Elo rankings as of right now, and people are hanging on to to this potential update because they are deciding whether or not to play flesh and blood. Uh, for the foreseeable future. And that boggles my mind that that's a conversation that's taking place. Zach Bond, what do you think about ELO and, and what is happening with it at the moment? That's a, that's a good question. Uh, so generally, as a player who is competitive or wants to compete at FAB, um, I think having a ranking system is, is really cool. Right. And again, I, I don't come from magic and I don't come from an extensive TCG line. So the fact that there's the organized play that we're getting, the prizes, the system, the tournaments, the pro quest, the pro tours, the world championship, uh, all of it is like, it, it's so much better than what I'm used to um, coming from competitive LCGs. And I think FFG did a really good job. But when your basic economic unit is a $15 product that players buy one of, you only have so much money to put into organized play, right? It's very different economics with uh, anything that's not a collectible game. So all that to say, uh, I guess for me, it's kind of grain of salt, the fact that it hasn't updated. I mean, it is interesting to have something seemingly be a focus and an important thing, and you can be two months post-Worlds on the eve of your next competitive season that's not updated. Um that's not the best, uh, but at the same time, I'm used to not having ELO at all or the ability to just freely qualify for stuff like a pro tour. Mm-hmm. So the, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I get it. Um, there was a, uh, at the national championship this year or last year, um, 
I had a moment where at nationals, I, I went one and two in the draft and then I four odds constructed and my constructed ELO was pretty high. Um, and then I realized that the only way to make top eight at nationals was to, to basically go undefeated in the first six. I had to go six and one and the loss had to be in the last round. But uh, the first three rounds are uprising draft. I didn't feel super good about that, so I dropped to play the calling. Uh, played the calling, and I think I started like f- five and one. I have four zero, and then lost one, and then one one. So I was five and one. Lost the last round, so it was five and two. Uh, they so on the weekend it constructed. I was nine and two, so I was up seven games. It's pretty good so far. Uh, round one of day two, I lost my game. So now I'm nine and three. And my ELO was pretty high, like close to qualifying for Worlds top 50, you know? Um, So at that point, I was also just like super exhausted on the weekend. And like Michael was in the top eight of the national championship. And so I opted to drop the tournament and watch him uh, because I was exhausted. I wanted to watch Michael. And then I also knew that I was, I couldn't top eight the calling. I could grind out the last four rounds, but given my elos like there's a lot at stake right this is a, a higher level event a lot of uh, elos on the line each game so wrapping back around uh I, yeah i think in an ideal world they would have updated elo already mm-hmm. going into pq season but at the same time the pqs are worth so many less points on elo uh even someone like michael hamilton who's the number one ranked player uh presumably number one ranked player after the elo updates mm-hmm. i i don't think He's good enough that there's no way he could lose enough at ProQuest seasons to not still, you know, if you're like the 48th person on the list, I understand if you're like, ah, I need to know where I, and like, for me, I think before the update, I'm in the like seventies or something. Um, and so like, I'll, I'm, I'm close-ish. I, who knows? People could bubble out and I, maybe I'm 59, 50th right now. Um, but it's hard to imagine not, not playing. You know, uh-huh. like if you have a ProQuest season, we only have one one Pro Tour this year. Um, and I, I, given there's only one Pro Tour, I think that the really good players who are going to keep qualifying for free off of XP and ELO are going to have a lot of extra PTIs around. I think the value of a PTI is going to be lower uh, just because there's less events to go to and good players keep stacking them up. So I, I don't know. I don't know how critical it is uh, for people that are, are seriously in the pursuit. and. I don't know. But my general mentality is play, and then uh, you either got the goods or you don't. So uh, that's what it is. That that said, I will say one thing about ELO. It, there's some fun stuff happening with it. It's an interesting system. It it has its downsides. So if you're a highly ranked ELO player and you go play at these pro quests, a lot more local people who don't have ELO, you're putting more on the line. Um, even if you go like five one in Swiss and then you win top eight and you lose in the top four, uh, going six and two. You might literally net negative ELO uh, off of that because of the disparity between your score and theirs. Uh, but at the same time, I I personally view ELO as like a free qualifying system. So uh-huh. Legend Story could just get rid of it, right? They could say, you know what? We're not doing ELO. The only way to play a Pro Tour is to have a PTI uh, or to win a Pro Quest. That's it. This is just what it's going to be. Um, so to me, it's like, I just view it as a bonus because uh, coming from my history of competitive games, it is it's crazy. It's like the fact that the Pro Tour is happening is a bonus. The fact that I might qualify for free is a bonus. The fact that there's going to be 50 players that are really good that all qualify for free that 
maybe have extra PTI sitting around and now they're willing to, you know, gift them to a friend in air quotes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. There's a smattering of opinions on uh, on, uh, ELO. Are you a full-time Flesh and Blood player now or do you... Do you diversify your portfolio as a player as well? Uh, what do you mean by full-time player? <laughs> uh, like, uh, well, you do like you're like in the pro circuit for Flesh and Blood, right? You're you, you go to the high-level events there. You compete, presumably for world championship, even though Hamilton's a uh, big big ice wall uh, in your way here. Uh, yeah, but uh, um, are you competing anywhere else? Yeah, Fab's definitely my only uh, game. I'm I'm truly competing at right uh we play a lot of different games on stream i play a lot of different games uh you know across the board uh but fab is the most competitive game i play like not me being competitive but just it offers the most competitive opportunities mm-hmm. um so i'm 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 testing we took november december off uh to recharge the batteries but uh testing fab regularly with the wolf pack and very you know serious about the pursuit uh of being competitive um, but yeah, there's, there's, it, it's the only game that, that, that's the case for, for me. Yeah. Does the team look at, um, I keep circling back to Michael Hamilton cause he won the world championship. How do you reconcile having the world champion on your team versus your own competitive goals in the game? One, I'm exceptionally proud, uh, of Michael and the work he put in and the work the team put in. It's, it's definitely a team effort. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, the the Wolfpack, I, I don't know how, again, I don't have magic history. <laughs> I, I don't know how these teams work where, I just know how it works where I come from, right? Uh, and so as a, a group of people um, that have similar values, that there's a, a group of, of values that we kind of laid out at the very beginning, because the formation of the Wolfpack kind of happened in response to some miscommunications uh, and some miss understandings about what uh, the group I was testing with before was. Uh, some people saw it as a testing group. Uh, obviously, the name of the, the website, at least, of our, our company is teamcovenant.com. Uh, that comes from the group of us that grew up as teenagers playing games together as a team. Um, and so for a handful of stuff for us, right, uh, I think all of us aspire to be as good at Fab as we can. Um, we also uh, want to do that with people we enjoy. Like the, if we don't enjoy the process, what, what's the point? Um, and so it's a huge, uh, benefit to have Michael Hamilton on your team, right? Like that man's, that man's next level, uh, at fab. And so the fact that we get to regularly test against him and have conversations with him, um, uh, you know, I, I, I maybe was uh, minus the fact that he won a hundred grand. Uh, I was probably as happy as he was that he won. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that was true for the whole team. Um, so definitely a team, uh, mentality. He, the whole team, uh, was really, really proud of him and, and the work we did. And we took the past couple of months to, uh, take a break from how much we were playing, but then also make some, uh, specific refinements to our process, just trying to improve the efficacy and efficiency of, of what we're doing. Um, and, uh, we're all still having a really good time. So, uh, that's, that's kind of the number one step for us. Absolutely. Uh, we do have, uh, so I, I didn't ask every community community question here, but we do have one from Vincent that you, you answered pretty specifically, but I just wanted to make sure that you, we, we, we capture it, but he does ask, 
in in part one here, any specific objectives for your 2023 season of Flesh and Blood? And I had intended on asking if you were impl- implementing any OKRs to that, but you really you really hit the nail on the head with that first. Uh, <laughs> that first go around there yeah and uh, if you if you have a string of questions i'm happy to shotgun them too here at the end um so my we we after worlds we took a couple of weeks and then we had a team meeting um and it was hey what what worked what didn't what do we not like what what do we think could be better um is everyone still feeling it you know does everyone want to still be on this team does anyone want out like here's a good opportunity to to bail if you don't want to be a part of this thing anymore um, and, uh, as part of that conversation, uh, we went around and, and talked about our goals for the upcoming year. Um, and, you know, I think, like I said earlier, all of us want to be the best fab players we can. Um, and to us, you know, I, I think as a team and as players best is not just competitive or ELO rankings or winning the world championship as much as I'd love to have a back-to-back Wolfpack world championship. That'd be the ultimate, uh, goal, right? Um, have to change your name to the bloodline if that happens (laughs) (laughs) we just can't stop um so uh, i don't know i've i've lost my train of thought and now you got me i'm sorry i'm sorry um Uh, specific specific goals for 2023 you had um, you had done a team meeting gotten yeah yeah so we, we went around and talked about what our goals were right um and i i said all of us want to be the best and it's 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 more than just ELO rankings and championships and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think we also uh, want to be uh, what we hope to see in the competitive community in terms of a team, in terms of people you sit across the table from um, and what that looks like. And, and so it's not just centered on uh, winning uh, specifically, although winning uh, is great. (laughs) So we all have our individual goals, right, Uh, in terms of, and I I think we want to be the best team in FAB, uh, unquestionably. And uh, it's not just winning the world championship, right? That's uh, what's our performance look like all year long? Uh, How do we do at all the big events? How do we perceived as a team? Um, How how are we behaving ourselves when we win and when we lose? Um, And what does that look like? Um, but yeah, personally, yeah, we, I I have a goal. We all have goals. I think my next goal, my next major goal, it's really less of a, a goal, more of an achievement is, uh, top eighting a PTI slash cold gold event, right? Calling or pro tour or national championship or world championship. That's kind of the next thing for me. I've won pro quests. I've qualified for nationals. I've won a battle hardened. Um, and everyone kind of has that, um, except for Michael. Uh, he actually, he even has that. Uh, he hasn't top eight at a pro tour, right? Um, he's top 16 t- two out yeah, of two, yeah. All right. but he hasn't, he hasn't made a top eight of a pro tour. That's like the last thing on his bucket list. Can't have everything, um, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're, we're going around and like, I, I think the main thing for all of us is, uh, can feeling like we're continuing to get better and still having a good time, mm-hmm. um, and enjoying the process because uh, games don't last forever. Teams don't always last forever. Uh, life happens. And so we're kind of just living in the moment and having a good time and, uh, you know, more focused on our process. Um, obviously, the process worked. We had a really good year last year. We had a lot of top performances. We had a world champion. Um, but the making sure that, like, by Worlds of last year, um, I, w- I was really burnt out. I was out of gas in the tank. 
Um, and part of that was like, I had a really busy year between work and, and playing fab. Um, part of it was the lateness of their announcement for events. And so yep. like the travel kind of stacked up in a weird way. And looking back, like there's a couple events I don't think I would have gone to if I had known the full schedule. And then the kind of backbreaker in the middle of the year is I went to the Vegas uh, team calling, which I yep. mainly went, I, I do not like blitz, but I mainly went because it was a team event. I love team events. If I could choose 1v1 or team like mm -hmm. tournaments, I would play the team ones every time. There's two callings happening at the same time, individual or team, I'm going to pick team. Um, so I wanted to show support for that format and hopefully they'll do more uh, team events. But uh, at coming home, when I got home from Vegas, I got COVID and it was a really miserable couple of weeks. Yeah. And that was after a string. It was like uh, ProQuest season, Pro Tour 1, immediately into ProQuest season into the Vegas calling where I got COVID and then COVID was over after a couple of weeks. And then it was road to national season. And that was immediately into Lil pro tour. And then that was immediately into the national championship and the world championship. And it was just exhausting. So anyways, the reason I say that is one of my goals is I want to get to November. I want to get to the world championship whenever that is, uh, and not be burnt out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to compete, want to do as good as I can, want to achieve the other goals, but, uh, if I can't do it and get to the world championship and not be burnt out, then I, that that's a big goal for me this year. Adam, your 2023 goals in flesh and blood. Uh, I don't know if it are in flesh and blood. Cause I, for the longest time, the, the goal was just the, the competitive path. We wanted to grind and see how good we could be at flesh and blood. And we still want to keep playing competitively, but I, I've recognized that it's just like the field's so stacked and, it, to put all all stake into that is, is definitely probably not i i don't know if that's if that's you know a sound bet so um i'm gonna i'm gonna let you keep going i'm gonna cut you off though i i i'm gonna bring up again 11th in canadian nationals the one that Tarek won you were you were a winning in away from top 8 in the toughest nationals probably in in the world so you're good okay fair and i you're right and i'm always going to be the first one to 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 discredit my accomplishments and you, you it is good that you remind me that of that um it's just the the yeah i don't know the, i guess maybe it's just it's a daunting field and even if we do have the chops to keep up with everybody uh it, it's daunting and it's you know you doubt what you're capable of but uh, I think Pat, we have some things in the works that hopefully will attract uh, mm -hmm. an audience that, or maybe not audience is the right word, uh, a, a group of people that'll, I'll, you know, I'll be able to work with to to work figure out how to be at the best at my best game. Because like to to Zach's point, like last year's season, yeah, we we had a decent showing at, in France and we had a good showing at Canadian Nationals, but by by Worlds, I felt super burnt out. I was not getting in the testing I wanted to get in. Um some other things fell apart in my life at that time that just further impacted that and you know, we we love this game, but just the it all falling apart the way it did at the end of the season kind of left a sour taste in my mouth on the the competitive side, so it's oh. I guess maybe in 2023, the goal is for, for flesh and blood, at least the goal is just to regroup and figure out what, 
what our future with flesh and blood is we know like i know i have a future in this game for sure like i mm-hmm. i love this game too much to to put it down like whether it's content or playing competitively or pushing for casting like we've been doing with the team cup stuff uh, i mm-hmm. i don't know what that necessarily looks like um you know my overarching goal is to push the the, the combat chain brand this year and just see where that leads so it's maybe not not just flesh and blood related, but that's that. Ultimately, that's that's what we hope to work on in twenty twenty three. That's fair. That's fair. I would say I I said mine like uh, online was just a day two an event. I haven't day twoed yet, um, but they keep cutting my legs out from under me. I don't know when I'll be able to go to a two day event <laughs> at all my pro my pro quest season is nil which is why well i've invested like almost all my time into arachne and if i wasn't going in pro quests i probably wouldn't do that i feel like i'm getting good at it but it's definitely i'm not gonna, like i don't think i could walk in on week one with arachne and feel like i have a have a shot uh there and to that to that end i i picked up Fi again, love Fi. I love Briar, love Fi, love Arachne, love Bravo. Uh, but Fi is like my go-to for the for like premier aggro deck. Probably what I would bring week one. I played that I don't know last week a couple of games. It was like I forgot how to play Flesh and Blood at that point. It's just it's brutal, uh, and I still don't know. I just I, why Ice Heroes exist. I don't know. Terrible for <laughs> terrible for my meta my own honest, mental That's health. why. Oh God, man! Just let me throw my cards down and be done with it. Um, but yeah, I want a day two something. So I don't know what that is. And I will, if I have to go down to New Zealand and, and hunt down James White, I just want, I want an event in the New England area. I give me a battle hardened. Give me a calling. Do, do pro tour Boston. I feel like it's in the East coast somewhere. <laughs> they keep hovering around that New York, New Jersey area. Just give me a little swerve up North a little bit. We don't need to go to that stinking heat where Tommy fresh is in his fucking paper mill. Pardon my French. Uh, <laughs> part of the part of the states there. Give me give me Boston. We have the International District. We have the Seaport District. International Convention Center is very. It is world renowned. We just throw flesh and blood in that in there. It'll be it'll be beautiful. I promise you. Surely you guys uh, are gonna battle hardened at least, right? We should. I don't know why we don't. Uh, Star City Games used to come to Worcester all the time, and, and they just they have not shown up anywhere close. They've gone to they've done Syracuse and in New Jersey have been the closest that they've they've come. Um, and and so, so no one else has touched us. I don't know what it is. All right. Mm-hmm. We're going to round home here. Uh, I am going to shotgun you a couple questions here. Uh, yeah, let's do and, it. All right. Uh, Tommy Fresh from the Fresh and Buzz is, says, uh, is Covenant specifically in reference to the biblical Ark of the Covenant? It's It's not. Um, okay. <laughs> the shortest version of this possible. I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma, so Bible belts. Um, and grew up going to church and all that kind of stuff. So covenant is a word that is around a lot, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but had a friend when we played in Star Wars TCG as teenagers. He's very, he's very country. So he didn't mm-hmm. say can't. He said can't. You can't do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we go up to the big city of Tulsa, which is where I live now, to go to tournaments, and they started calling us Team Can't. Um, kind of funny, but also kind of like making fun of him. Uh, so at some point we sort of pivoted it uh, to covenant. So that it was like just cooler sounding, uh, and less like making fun of him. Uh, and that was kind of our back then. There was a team that won the world championship called Team Bus. Um, teams were like a thing that happened in the games we were playing. 
Uh, so anyways, we Team Covenant sort of stuck. And then when I started the company, it was Covenant. And then we started a blog, teamcovenant.com. And then one thing led to another. Uh, but, you know, the words around uh, going to church, Christian, and all that kind of stuff. But no, it's not Ark of the Covenant or any of that stuff. That is, I, that is, that is the least expected answer that I, for, for that question. That is amazing. Uh, all right. Uh, Vince asked a part two. Uh, after the specific objectives, he goes, if you look back, <laughs> our audience has learned that we ask good questions and decides to ask <laughs> the long questions. Uh, if you look back to when you first ha- heard about the game, what the creator wanted to accomplish, would you say that they are lagging on schedule or ahead? Does Flesh and Blood have a solid foundation to become bigger? And he also says, Ashes Reborn, go! <laughs> I love Ashes. If you haven't checked that game out, you should. Um... The answer is, I think they're way ahead. Um, so I think they're, it's obviously not as crazy as it was late 2020 into 2021, but no, no TCG is uh, from Pokemon and all the way to Magic, I think. But um, I think that what happened in 2020 to 2021 and early 2022 was uh, completely game-changing for Legend Story Studios and gave them a level of success that, even just a level of awareness, and player awareness and store adoption and stuff when any i mean every store wanted to buy it in may of 2020 2021 a year before that they were having a hard time getting any stores to in middle pandemic even before the pandemic though right it's like it's very hard to get in uh but then every retailer wants it so uh i think compared to where like 2019 if they were mapping out a timeline i think we're way ahead of schedule and i think they have a solid foundation uh to continue on for a long long time Excellent, excellent. Clark Jansen asks another question. Can you recommend a fun in Tulsa day for my non-gamer wife if we travel all the way there so I can play a fab event at the new store? Uh, Sure. I mean, I would ask questions about what his wife is into. But generally speaking, um, we have exceptional coffee shops and food and uh, lots of uh, distilleries and breweries and that kind of stuff um and cool shopping areas and entertainment and there's this big uh it's called the gathering place this big huge outdoors couple miles long park next to the river all sorts of activities from kayaking all the way to just hiking and sports and there's uh, there's all kinds of stuff tulsa is a great um there's like a million people in the greater area of tulsa but uh it's a great small town vibe compared to the rest of the world uh not a ton of crazy traffic you can kind of get everywhere pretty comfortably the city spread out there's lots of trees um beautiful space i would say come not in the dead of winter or the dead of summer because we get all four seasons mm-hmm. uh, it, it gets really cold in december january sometimes and it gets really hot in the middle of the year so spring fall are beautiful here it's not overpopulated uh we have lots of nature and lots of just things to do. Uh, you know, it's not New York, but uh, New York's kind of very crowded and gross in its own way. Mm-hmm. So, love Tulsa. Excellent, excellent. All right, and the coup de gras, Jeffo, Jeff Zero, Jeffo. I don't know how to say your handle. I'm sorry. He goes. What is your hair care routine? It is always <laughs> ten out of ten. Oh well, hey, thank you so much. Uh, that's not always been the case. So I, I didn't. Um, in high school, I grew my hair out for the first time. And uh, growing up, I mean, watching wrestling, all my favorite wrestlers have long hair. Uh, 
all my you know you go back all all through t- all the stuff i like as a kid and there's long hair everywhere um but i didn't when i in high school i did let it happen uh this time around when i grew my hair out uh, my hair started thinning a little bit and i was like well i better grow it out one last time um and uh discovered that i have curly hair uh which is a whole thing so what's happening uh with my hair which i'm you know squeezing uh for the people that can actually see me um is it's just natural so it it was always curly but in high school it was a lot more frizzy because i just didn't have any idea what i was doing so if you have curly hair uh, or natural curls happening when you just don't do anything find someone that can cut your hair that cuts curly hair and there's shampoo and conditioner for people that have curly hair and that's all i do i just shampoo and condition and i move about my life it air dries nothing fancy uh but I, middle of last year i went to someone who specializes in it and they're like oh yeah it's really easy do this it's like cool I wish I had known that forever. Uh, for me, you 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 give off big wrestling fan vibes. Is that is it an accurate statement? Yes. So when I uh, was a kid, my grandpa was really into wrestling, mm-hmm. and it, we'd have various things on. But the wrestler I was super fascinated with when I was young was uh, Sting. Um, and it was staying when he had the blonde hair and the Mm -hmm. face paint and he's like super entertaining. Uh, and then he did the crow sting thing. And that like changed my life. Uh, I thought that was just the coolest thing and the whole feud with Hulk Hogan. And like my older brothers watched wrestling like grandpa when they were younger. Mm -hmm. And so when I was growing up, I didn't get to watch it, but I, I had all the, you know, my brothers had the Hulk Hogan figurines and the, you know, eat your vitamins, say your prayers and the bandanas and that kind of stuff. So for me, Hulk Hogan was like, had gone heel when he went to WCW. Yep. And it was just like, I couldn't, you know, the whole line's like, I can't believe he's, he's the bad guy. Um, and then Sting went crow and like, I don't know. It was just, I, I was enamored with that. Uh, and then the whole Wolfpack thing, that's where the name Wolfpack comes from, right? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, is I, from the whole. I was a huge Wolfpack fan uh yeah back in the day and then they they ruined it for me when when they when they got goldberg when they when they flipped back that was yeah. like super disappointing for well me. like all wrestling storylines most of them go on for too long and at some yep. point it was like everybody's in the wolf pack and it's like well what is the wolf pack anymore besides the whole roster right, right um so anyways yeah that and then also was in for the stone cold steve austin rock uh mm-hmm. era and yep. then once once that uh, died down is when I kind of exited. Uh, you know, I was, at that point, I'm a teenager, late teens, and kind of just out of the wrestling zone. My grandpa passed away, so I wasn't watching it with him anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was definitely that like 95 to 2001 phase where I was really all about wrestling. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I I was in the same. I grew up I grew up on I grew up on wrestling and watched Monday Night Raw when I wasn't supposed to. Uh, but but <laughs> yep. like the Shawn Michaels through WrestleMania twelve all the way through fourteen. Uh, like you know, uh, the boy from San San Antonio living in his boy boyhood dream, the sixty minute Iron Man match with with Bret Hart and uh, and and things like that. And then the whole Attitude Era. And I I stuck around to through like Ruthless Aggression, and they, they really lost me in like the PG era. They almost got me back in twenty eleven with CM Punk and the Money in the Bank stuff, but then they really only now. Right now, I think wrestling is in like its best spot. It's been. 
in in forever between AEW and where WWE is right now. It is it's good stuff. I will say that. Uh, yeah, very I've good. actually been hearing that a lot more lately. So uh, you just are another person in the long line of people telling me that it's good again. Yeah, it, it it's a uh, yeah, it, it's been a very uh, disruptive relationship in my life for the last like ten years. But now I feel I feel better about it. They fix themselves. Um, all right, this is uh, we did it. We did it. We got through it. Uh, this <laughs> is the part where we uh, you can plug 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 your stuff. I hear you got a few little things uh, here and there. What do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you aren't already following uh, TeamCover.com, so you can find everything about the company, subscriptions we talked about, uh, weirdly in depth. Uh, didn't didn't know 100% where we we're going, but we we got there. Uh, so if you want to sign up to automatically get stuff that you can do that. Uh, of course, Team Covenant is all over. I mean, YouTube is probably the primary channel people follow us on, but Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. I'm also on Twitter uh, at Zach Bunn, Zach with an H. Uh, you can find that. And then if you want to, uh, one of the questions I saw when I was reading the notes earlier was who's on the Wolfpack. Uh, recently put together, haven't really done anything with it yet, but uh, fabwolfpack.com. Um, it's Ooh. a kind of just a roster of everyone's on there and a couple little details. So, uh, w- had a lot of people last season. It was amazing that people were cared about our, us as a team and who to, so at some point I posted a picture of someone who had been doing well and they were like, I didn't even know he was on the team. Is there somewhere I can get a list of everyone on the team? And so it's kind of a reaction to that, which is just kind of a roster of, uh, who's there and, uh, some, some ways to follow what we've got going on. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, uh, most big fab events uh and in the fab community and on various discord channels so i'm um, i'm around and uh happy to be here and then uh, before we get out of here i did want to say to you guys uh thanks for having me thanks for for doing this i think i say this every time i'm on content uh other people's content but i think the the people creating content in these communities really are the heartbeat of these communities and they give places for players to gather uh, and have shared experiences and communities to be in um, and offer just a tremendous amount of value. And, and I know I know how much work goes into it uh, and how tough it can be. And especially at a certain point, you get six, nine, 12 months in, the new is kind of worn off uh, and you're continuing to do it. And uh, you know, you kind of uh, can go through some some ups and downs in, in the whole process and figuring out who you are and what you want to be and all that kind of stuff. So kudos to the two of you uh, for taking a chance and putting yourselves out there. Uh, it's it's uh, the first step of just getting started and, and, and rolling out is uh, one of the hardest. I think the, the hardest one actually is continuing on. Uh, when it gets hard after you've started and gotten past all that excitement, but the the you've you've already done one of the the hardest steps, which is getting started. And uh, I don't know what kind of temperaments you guys have, but I I was terrified when we started doing content because I didn't necessarily see myself as a person who likes to be out in front of people. But I know there's a ton of people listening out there who very much appreciate what you're doing, and you don't get to hear that a lot, especially in podcast form. Uh, not a lot of people you leave YouTube comments or, and you can't really comment on most podcasts. So thanks for having me. Uh, happy to be on uh, whenever you want. And uh, if you're listening to these guys, uh, keep doing it and send them a nice comment because those go a long way uh, for all the long hours that they're putting in to, to bring some value to this community and uh, appreciate everyone out there uh, who listened this long. I'm touched. Thank you. That Those are really kind words. Thank you so much.
Yes, thank you. Thank you for coming on. And yeah, we barely, right, we barely scratched the surface, though. It's job security for us. You have to come back on because we have to talk more about flesh and blood than uh, than we have here. Uh, but again, I can't chain you to the basement and, and just live stream you forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, all right, <laughs> we're going to plug our stuff now. Uh, the Combat Chain is on YouTube. You can find us if you if you go at the combat chain, uh, be sure to like subscribe and click the bell notification to know when the latest episode is uploaded. We are available on all, all audio platforms, wherever you stream your podcasts. The best way to support us is through our Patreon. You can find us at www.patreon.com backslash the combat chain and can subscribe to us there. It helps us tremendously to keep the lights and mics up and running. Uh, if you want to just support the pod or get a shout out on the podcast or even exclusive access to our team testing channel, sign up on the Patreon today you can find us on twitter of course the channel's handle is at the combat chain you can find me at pat smash good and you can find adam at fom toolery tcg now mr bun we have one small piece of business uh that we like to do with our guests uh, to close it out uh i am going to say until next week and then all of us in unison are going to say we're closing the combat chain and we're going to camp it up and it, but it's, we're all going to say it in unison and it's going to sound great. Is that something I can ask of you today? Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Thank you again to our guest, Zach Bunn of team covenant for coming on to the podcast. Don't forget to check out uh, After Turn 6, our Marvel Snap uh, content coming out. Uh, it should be out by the time that this one comes out. Uh, so take, the, take a look at that. And until next week, we're closing the combat Perfect. That was smooth. great. Fantastic. That was smooth. Excellent. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate Thank you so it. much. Thank you for having me.